Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun. <laughs> Shit, that's not the show. <laughs> no. Welcome no. to Bonehead Weekly, the regular size. What I've been called many things, but regular size. Regular, size. regular yeah. been. Regular. Well, we've got Brian Combs from that one show with Brian Combs on tonight. And as they say from Eastern Kentucky, where Brian and I are from, that regular show. Yes, sir. Right. Happy to be here. Why? Uh, <laughs> I have Your no hair idea. was on time, but you were 15 minutes late, bud. What is up with that? <laughs> uh, just I'm just glad to have it still, and while I still have it, I'm gonna I'm gonna let it go. All right, hold yeah. on. Let let me pump this up a little bit. <laughs> there we go. There we go. If you're listening to us, folks, Chad just flipped off our guest. That's <laughs> what a great way to begin the show. Time. I uh, didn't even make it a minute until one of y'all flipped me off. I, I had the over-under sit at seven minutes, and I lost. <laughs> yeah, and, and most people, they're like, oh, that Chad's the nice one. That really? No, and well, in all fairness, I do that completely joking. I am so glad I don't have to hair. I don't have hair, so I don't have to deal with that. I just wake up in the morning, throw some water on. I'm good. Yeah, well, once again, you're... Did you use the word good? And why good. would you water something that's clearly not going to grow anything? <laughs> Throwing water in all that desert. Um, well, and in all fairness, this once again, what most people don't know is Chad actually could grow hair, but this is his stance against the shampoo industry. He's got an entire twenty minute. You can you can read his manifesto. It's online. Yeah, and this is going too much in the weeds. And no, I can't. And that's what caused me to shave. Is when I went into a Staples and saw a security cam and saw the back of my head and saw that my ball spot did a curve. I'm like, okay, time to shave. And with that, you have 20 years of therapy. Thank you all so much for listening. This is Bonehead Weekly with Brian Cones from that one show. Thank you and good night. Now, and yes, by the way, they I think they think Chad is the nice one. I think they think we've heard before, James, you've been attacked for being mean to me. And everybody thinks I'm an asshole. Hold on, Joe, do you think you're considered the nice one? No, I just said everybody thinks I'm the asshole. I, I am lovable beyond all measure. No. No. <laughs> yeah. You you are right though. I did get attacked because evidently I attacked Joe too much. No. No. You're not lovable. I'm just not nice to you two. <laughs> you're not No. You don't even <laughs> like people. I There's silence. Mr. Combs, weigh in. <laughs> well, as a long-time listener of the show, I would say that uh if I were ranking you all from niceness to meanness, I would go uh nice Chad, kind of nice. <laughs> James, asshole Joe. I was gonna say, well, I was gonna say, and now Chad's gonna be insufferable for the next fifteen episodes. He'll start. He's gonna change his title on Zoom. It'll start saying the nice one or something. Hold on a sec. Let let me pet my puppy. Hi, baby. You little cutie. <laughs> There's not really a dog circle. there. He's got someone tied up. Why does yeah, no that, one else believe? Us? That's actually uh, petting his puppy is a, a, a double entree. <laughs> double entendre. The entendre double entree yeah. is what got me to this weight, Mr. Cole. <laughs> hey, it's it's past Several my Several entrees have gotten me here. So, covered in cheese sauce, yeah. Covered in che- well, that would be more James Thomas. James Thomas, yeah. Well, one. so we're going to this episode. We're going to talk about fictional musicians. But real quick, your show you cover music. You cover a variety of music with different topics. Uh, you want to tell our listeners some of the the episodes you may have coming up. James, refresh. Yeah. Would you like to tell our listener? There may be. Now, <laughs> well, sometimes well, they have up, the volume up. up. Uh, I am a weekly listener every Sunday. 
Yeah, so if I, if I am the only listener, then really, and I'm the guest, will anybody be listening to this show? Mary. This episode? My friend. Mary. Well, if you really want to hear yourself talk, yes. <laughs> I know that's the worst part of doing a podcast is going back and editing and having to hear yourself. I don't yeah. know how you all feel about that. I it's don't worse. anymore. I don't actually, for the most part, I don't listen to it. Since I listen, I listen for the first like year and a half just because I was like, okay, how can we improve? How well, and mainly how can I improve because I'm not very good at speaking. No, he meant yeah. we. the asshole number one meant we. <laughs> well, and I'm like, and then and then after a while, I'm like, oh man, I can't hear, I can't stand it, so I just stopped. <laughs> I played. Uh, I've said yeah, I don't listen to the entire episode. I just make sure the audio's good for the first few minutes. He's talking uh, about us now, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just listen to like 90 seconds of each bonehead episode and I say that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> I've had enough of that shit. 90 <laughs> seconds. You make it longer than most people I talk to. <laughs> I've said this but, many, many times on the show. I actually I think I'll go back and listen to it when we're done. I've listened to a lot of them. I, I I joke a lot, but I actually, for the last two years, haven't really listened to maybe one or two. I think I'll go back when it's all done and start from the beginning. And I'll probably get bored as fuck, so, and not make it. <laughs> uh, but in all sincerity, uh, I've been a fan since about the third or fourth episode I found you all. And I've, I listen every Sunday. Uh, Thanks, man. I really enjoy when you all have guests. I think you all do very well with them. Thank you. Uh, Thanks. Uh and I haven't got to listen to the newest episode, but I really enjoyed the year-end episode. Uh, really enjoyed. I think my favorite thing you all have ever done was like the 1,000 Stephen King episode. Definitely <laughs> shake fist. Oh, Haley was our producer, and Haley wanted it. And Haley and I are huge Stephen King fans. Chad coming in a distant third. And uh, yeah, I, yeah. I'm giving yeah. you a closer. <laughs> because you're so sweet i am i'm so nice <laughs> so lovely anyway you stephen, king, that stephen king hurts my delicate my delicate nature so, he likes uh uh vc andrews chad preferred <laughs> guy. but that was her and that was me and we did about 42 of them actually i think yeah. four or five in a row and then came back to finish it up yeah, before Haley left, and we could all we could already do another one, guys. I, if we wanted yeah, to, I really could do a whole other episode and say maybe we should do that since that's Brian's favorite. His newest book is really good. If you've not read it, fairy I'm tales. Twenty pages into, it. I just started it the other day. I'm twenty pages into it, and it actually it's a, it's a lot better than the Institute. Twenty pages in, I already like it better. I'd say yeah, my wife's one... 170. She's reading it faster than she's read a lot of it's other old. stuff. She says it goes back to old school King. That's her words, not mine. I haven't read it yet. So, Brian, yes. Uh, back to what he was talking about. You were talking about some of our guests, and actually that's my favorite is when we have guests. But I'm curious, why did you start a podcast, and did you think more middle-aged white dudes needed them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's not, we don't have enough the of one? that. Yeah. The one uh, you're like, I can't do sports. Somebody's already got that. True, cri- true crime is already locked up. Uh, I had a <clears throat> weekly radio show that I volunteered to do uh, every Sunday on WJSN in Jackson. Mm-hmm. And uh, the caveat is I didn't get paid, but for the entire hour of that show, I got to play whatever music I wanted. Uh-huh. Uh, and they wanted to start telling me what music to play. And I said, man, I don't even get paid for this shit. Uh, <laughs> so I said, I'll just quit. And But I really still wanted a 
avenue to get the music I like out. So I said, I, I guess I'll start a podcast because if the three guys at Dubai had a week, we can coming. do one. I, I, I definitely, it was a softball, man. You, you was, just tossed it in. If they could do it, I could definitely do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't disagree. I'll, I'll be a little masochistic for a second. I still have a problem. There was somebody stopped me the other day and I didn't know them and they were, uh, they listened to the show and I all, I have a bad habit of going, why? <laughs> well, I really need to think of a better. I'm not joking. The other two boneheads know that I'm not joking. I need to stop doing that. I well, and 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 when when somebody tell, and when I'm with because nobody ever comes up to me and says I listen, but when I'm with Joe and they say I listen, huh? You don't leave the house. No. Yeah, and but when I'm with Joe and they say it, I say I'm sorry. Maybe I need to pick. <laughs> I need to. We need to just go. Thank you. Please yeah. share. Please share. Yeah. When would you like your reach around, sir or madam? <laughs> it is due. So what have you, I'm curious because you're new to this. Well, you've been doing it, what, a year? You've got two, you've, you've blocked uh, yourself into seasons like a, like a fancy <laughs> British dude. Yeah, I'm, uh, February be one are you year. Uh, February be one year. Uh, I usually have around 20, 24 episodes a season. Uh, I've, uh, I don't know when this particular episode will air, but I'm just now starting season three and uh, I really enjoy it. Uh, it's a lot of work. I try to do one a week and that's why I break up a season. I try to give myself like a two or three week break around Christmas and then one in the summer. Yeah. So I don't have to worry about it. I mean, I do pretty much everything myself. Uh, if I do a guest episode, it's not that much work, but like the solo episodes, I research a lot. Uh, I, I, I don't necessarily write a script, but I'll make bullet points that I need to try to remember because I'm getting old and forgetful. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's hours and hours to produce like a one hour show. There's, uh, and I work full time. Uh, I have a daughter, so it's not like I have a lot of free time, but it's something that's a labor of love. And if two people listen, I'm happy. Yeah, well, you're doing pretty well, right? You get, oh my goodness, my Facebook and Twitter are just blown up about. What is that quote you I kept getting through? Forty thousand countries have listened to that one show. Well, no, not not forty thousand. I think like twenty some. Uh, Ooh, crazy, fancy French the, man with these twenty some countries. The, the, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, it, and that was crazy to me because I didn't think anybody outside of my immediate family would listen. But somehow, I, and I really don't know how they found me in other countries and. I, it's probably the accent, I guess. They just no, like they do, they do. What what was our number one, guys? I, it's not. It's Australia, and then it's followed by a couple others. And we've looked a while back. Remember? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, uh, every blue moon will get uh, Turkey. Yeah, we get a lot of Middle East too. So it's kind of it, it's just really interesting. But I think part <laughs> of that is you know, and and uh, I believe you did an episode. I'm going to get the title of the episode wrong, but you did an episode about um, the best sad songs or, or something like that uh um yes it was uh one of my early episodes and it was called i'm hurting linda which is homage to a quote from sling blade uh mm -hmm. door hargraves which was dwight yoakam's character about heartbreaking songs uh yep. and that was the first one that actually james i'm glad you brought that up that got international audiences i got somebody from australia and england i think that listened to that show that particular episode well, I had to listen to it because, of course, it. Ha I had to make sure that uh, she stopped loving me today was on there because it was that on is, there. That is the absolute. But then I heard some other stuff, some of which I didn't wasn't as aware of, 
And and I, I started listening, going, okay, well, now I've got to add that. So now I, I just want you to know, uh, you've screwed up my YouTube algorithm because when I'm in my office, <laughs> I listen to all sorts of music, but now it slips in, like I'll get, you know, just whatever. And it will go, it now runs a, a I'll just say a deeper gamut of, of different songs, but the, the sad songs pop in quite uh, quite often now. And I, I really appreciate your list. I was like, yeah, this this will do it. I'll just sit in my office and cry now. This is great. <laughs> I mean, you were sitting well, in your office and crying beforehand. Just didn't Yeah, but now it's because of music song. and not life choices. Yeah. Well, should we get into the topic, guys? No, I want to talk more about random ass things. So, what the <laughs> hell is that poster behind you? Is that devil or demons coming out with something? That is actually a jigsaw puzzle. It's a thousand pieces of Tiamat, which is a like a six headed dragon in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, Tiamat. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, man. Best best, yeah. best part of the cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sorry, that was just it. Oh, and one more comment before we go about your show. Gentlemen, did you hear that? His family would listen. Have either of your f- James Chad have either of you expected other than maybe you're at your nobody, right? No, my sister. Uh, honestly, I don't even know. I don't even think my mom or dad know I even do this or have a concept does. of it. My sister listens every now and then. That's honestly, the um, my, my wife's comment, I think Christy and my wife have both made this Joe's wife and my wife both have made this comment. Why would we listen? It's the same thing as you all just hanging out. Well, Christy will listen from time to time, but that's about the only person. I don't I like I said, I don't even think my mom and dad would eat. I've never even told them. It's never even come up conversation. If um, I, I want your mom to subscribe just so she'll hear all the comments. Oh Jesus. You'd have to go to the library to use the internet there. What were you gonna say, Brian? I was gonna say actually and and honestly, that's the one thing I really like about your show is that it's generally three friends just bullshitting. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and and then when we can't get them on, the three of us do it. <laughs> that's that another softball joke. I'm just really excited that uh, Sean. Yeah, I'm texting my new. I'm texting my real friends now and tell them how much I love them. Is this the one? You, <laughs> just the one you dumped us for for the card night? Yeah. Oh, you son of a bitch. Well, they that's good right. I'm going to sleep with your sister again. <laughs> we'll just be even. All right. <laughs> so let's start the topic. James? Well, so music's a big deal to me. I really love music. Sadly, I have no musical talent whatsoever uh, at you have all. other talents, James? I don't have any talent. I, all right. That's good. I'm really, this is the best I've got, and we see where this is going. Uh, but I, I always do have music played in my office. It's the one constant I have. I listen to radio constantly in the car i'm surrounded by music and having a guest on that does a music show i thought oh well we usually talk about pop culture and film and books occasionally uh why don't we do an episode where we have brian comes on and we'll talk about fictional bands fictional musicians in pop culture and and just kind of do that as an episode so that was the uh i guess the thinking behind this episode and yeah Yeah, and and again, you know, you got to be full disclosure in the fact that we've already done an episode on fake bands. Did a we? Long, yeah, a long time remember. ago. We did one. <laughs> um, Who are you people? So for the most part, Who's I've done. Course? And for me, I actually picked out new new ones. I went, I, I, I try, I, I'll be honest with you. I think one of mine is a duplicate that was not picked by me. So therefore, I, I, it's new to me. <laughs> well, and I was going to say, and it's a challenge <laughs> a little bit because as I was doing research, like, you know, uh, the Blues Brothers band is an mm-hmm. actual band. They yeah. toured. They they didn't always have, you know, Jake and Elwood with them, but they were musicians in their own. So I kind of uh, didn't include them. 
yeah. because they are, I mean, you could book the classic Blues Brothers band. Uh, sadly, Matt Guitar Murphy has passed away. Uh, but, you know, they did their own things as well. So I didn't include them. Um, but, yeah, there's, it's as Chad was alluding to, it's, it's, it's a big, there's a lot of fictional bands that pop up that have an impact and uh, probably deserve some credit. And and all of mine are admittedly awful. I'm just going to point that out. Just like you, the kind one. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get started. Brian, since you are our guest and we are your host, what's your pleasure? What do you like to do? Now, what do you, what's yours? What's your number one? Uh, um, the number one I have written down is the Wild Stallions from the Bill and Ted franchise. Yeah. Oh. Did we talk about uh, that on that show, Jay? Chad? I don't the, the show that James remember. and I have. I no have not been able doing. to go back and listen to to know exactly no, we what don't we picked know. up. And our yeah. listeners probably won't. Hey, Brian, no. you're our listener. Do you remember <laughs> us doing that show? I, I I vaguely I think that was a really, really early episode. It was. Uh for the life of me, I don't think you mentioned Wild Stallions. Who knows? Uh, you, we'll ask our biographer. Go, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, there's three Bill and Ted movies. Uh, you got uh, Alex Winter as B.O.S. Preston Esquire. Mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves as Ted Theodore Logan. Uh, the first movie was them in high school, and they literally had to pass their history class in uh, order to stay together as a band and ultimately save the universe. You had the late, great George Carlin as Rufus, who came in on a time machine that was a, literally a phone booth for the younger listeners. Those did exist at one time. Uh, you put in a quarter and you got to call someone for a few minutes. They traveled throughout history and actually brought in uh, different historical figures to do their presentation. Socrates, Beef Oven, Abraham Lincoln, Joan of Arc, Miss Joan of Arc. Uh, and then they had Bill and Ted, uh, the part two which was, uh, help me, somebody. The- Bogus Journey. Bogus, Bogus, yes. Bogus Journey, yeah. Uh, was originally literally... called uh, Go to Hell, but they couldn't yeah. advertise it before 9 yeah. p.m. if they You're kept right. that title. You're you can right. find, they they did make some posters, but if you have that poster, uh, it's worthless. Send it to me. Yeah, and then they, they literally played Death uh, in several games, Twister, Chess, other things, and defeated him and ended up... Uh, defeating robot versions of themselves. And then uh, they had Bill and Ted Save the Universe, which was the third film. And uh, the Wild Stallions literally saved all of human existence. And how could they not be my number one because of that? But now, so here, I don't know how you feel about the third one. Um, Guys, have you seen the third one? Yeah. Yeah. Is it kind of, did you feel like it was kind of a letdown that they had actually turned out that they weren't the ones that saved it? It was their... Daughters. No, I did. I, the movie was just so so to me. There's parts I, of it I liked, but I just thought it was so so. I'm not a huge Bill and Ted fan to begin with. I like George Carlin. I probably like George Carlin in those more than I did Bill and Ted, even when I was a kid. Well, and I think James and I are on the Brian co- that those were staples of my childhood. So I love, I still love uh, Bill yeah. and Ted. Yeah. Uh, I'll say real quick about the third one. I liked it. It came out literally during the heart of COVID when everybody right. was locked down. Right. Uh, on VOD, and I was just dying for a new movie, so I paid 20 bucks for it, and I was entertained for an hour and a half. And one of my favorite bands, Weezer, had a had a song that closed that out, and I was happy for an hour and a half. It was the closest thing that you could possibly do to going to the movies at that time. Yeah. So it was okay. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I, I like the movie, and Anthony Kerrigan, who's like one of my favorite actors now, as the robot, made mm-hmm. my day. 
-hmm. It was just, I was like, I was hoping that they were going to wrap it up where you see them play the song. And I felt like it was kind of a cheap out where they're like, oh, you know, we actually didn't do it. They did it. And I'm like, oh, man, come on. <laughs> like, I, they, I felt like it could have been a whole lot better. <laughs> but I, I, I'm not bashing it. I actually really did enjoy it. It's well, just, there I you was have kind it, of let, I was kind of let down at that ending. <laughs> the sweetheart of Bonehead Weekly has bashed yet another film. How much would you let <laughs> him get Another piece with? of Americana. When are you going to stop him and stop his assailing of pure cinema? Alex Winter has still different. made one of my favorite offbeat comedies of all time, Freaked. I yes. think Freaked is better than all three of the Bill Ted movies. I, uh, mm. I watched that uh, way back in the day at Moorhead State University in Joe's office on like a 19-inch TV VCR <laughs> combo for the first time. That was the first yes. time. That was your first time watching it. Man. Yes, I had never even heard of it. Did I show it to you? Yes, yes. And uh, an alumni tower in that little I, office. I remember lobby. alumni. I remember the office. I, every <laughs> time I hire somebody and they go, "What's the office like?" I said, "It's got windows." And they always look at me. I go, "Listen, you don't know what it's like to live in an office without windows." Yeah, I don't know if these. Two, <laughs> I don't know if these two guys remember doing this. We did a small segment for our friend in Australia, and it said like, "What movie best defined you?" And it, I said, "Freaked." It pretty much describes me to a T. Yeah, I don't disagree. <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just, no, I don't. That damn. It's it's it, yeah. You're probably yeah. right. Everything about that movie defines who I am. I don't remember what I picked. I don't remember either. Of course, I do don't. remember the centered fuck. Like the first two movies that Joe fired up in there were was Freaked and I think Space Truckers. Oh, I remember Space Truckers. Yeah, yeah. It's directed with Stuart Gordon. Gordon yeah. Stuart Gordon yeah. was a dream for me to get on the show. Of course, he died, so it's really hard to get him on the show now. The lengths yeah. people will go to not to deal with you, Joe. By yeah. the way, Joe, nah. I just... We had Mick Garris. <laughs> Mick Garris hired him. to. He did three of... He did two of the uh, Masters of Horror. Go ahead, I, I, By the way, Joe, I just realized that you are Chad's J. Jonah Jameson. As you were sitting there dictating, we've got to... Chad is not the sweetheart everybody thinks. I just never realized you were yeah. Chad's J. Jonah That's Jameson. right. I am J. Jonah. All right. who? Which one of you bastards wants to go next? James, since you shit all over Brian's, I'll go next. No, I'm I'm going to continue a trend. I'm going to talk about the other time traveling musicians, <gasps> or at least one of them time traveled. That would be the Pinheads. The Pinheads, led by none other than a Martin McFly. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, oddly enough, this is what a lot of people don't know. But if you go back and watch the first Back to the Future. When he wakes up and it's the, the the improved 1980s timeline, he has a yellow envelope. Go back and watch it. He's walking around. He's got a yellow envelope. Well, what was cut from the film but is included in the novelization is that after he has the disappointing audition at his school and he goes home and they're not going to let him play, blah, blah, blah. And before, you know, he meets Doc and travels back in time, He there's a cut scene where he had an envelope where he was going to send out his demo to a record label. And he throws it in the trash. And oddly enough, they kept the scene when he wakes up and he's walking around with that yellow envelope. That If you look closely, it's there. That's his demo tape, and he decides that he will send it in. Now, that doesn't make sense if you don't know what was cut, but that is why that is there. And so, oddly enough, it would have made the later movies more impactful if they would have kept that scene in because we know eventually uh in back to the future 2 that he's you know he injures his hand he can't play anymore 
But Marty McFly and the Pinheads, and if you see, it will be coming to Broadway soon. If you see the musical, it plays up that musician angle that much more, as you would imagine a musical on stage would. But yeah, I think the Pinheads that uh, the, I guess, the expanded universe that we didn't get in some cutscenes and things like that, and then the musical, and you can go into the cartoon, has a couple episodes about the Pinheads as well. They were a big part of what Marty McFly was all about. And you don't necessarily see a ton of it in the movie unless you're obsessed with the movie. Most people don't even know what his band is called. Uh, uh, but I, I had You got me on that one. I did not know it was called. And I just watched it three or four weeks ago. I showed them all to my kids. Yeah, the, and the um, now it's on, but they did give every musician in his band has a name. They're uh, Paul, Lee, and Bobby. Those names come from the actors who played them. And the actors, actually, Paul is Paul um, Hanson, 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 Paul Hanson, who, uh, really important to the movie, he trained Michael J. Fox how to play the guitar so they could actually film that, you know, end scene where he gets his parents back together and all of that stuff. And so that's that's who those musicians actually are. There are people on the set that did train people on how to, you know, do the music and things like that. So I had to because I love Back to the Future. And and I'm glad you mentioned Wild Stallions because what is it about musicians traveling through time? It always works. You can even go Buckaroo Bonsai with that. But anyway, um, you know, this idea, I know, did I just still, did I ruin Chad? Did I do it? Did I do it? He threw his hands up. Is he muted? Because I can't hear him, which is the best way he's ever been. It was my backup, you some bitch. <laughs> Woohoo! First blood. Uh, anyway, but yeah, so Marty McFly. Are you still talking about the damn Back to the Future? No, just the normal Back to the Future. I wasn't allowed to watch your R-rated one. Hmm. <laughs> Joke fell flat. All right, Chad. You and me go? go. All right. So I'm going to, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to start off with my best and work my way down. Why do I think your best is already somewhere in the gutter? Oh, buddy. why do I think he am working his way down is turning me on? But keep going. Oh, buddy. We're going to talk about the lovely Miss Stare, who in secret is Annie Tackett. In 1988's Magical World of Disney's Rock and Roll Mom. What the hell? I, I'm at a loss. I don't now. Know. How deep did you have to go into the Disney vault? To and how this? far down are you going on down on me to make up? Is this you, and this is your best? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even find it on IMDb. You have to go to the IMDb. Magic. That's because IMDb. That's not what you think it is. Because uh, there were some things I wanted to find. on BDSM. It is really hard to find any information on this movie, but you do. You have to go to IMDb. You have to type in Magical World of Disney. You have to go to season 33. Wow. Look up the 1988 and click on Rock and Roll Mom just to get anything on this. You can't, you, you can't even go to the IMDb search engine and type in Rock and Roll Mom. It uh, starred Diane Cannon. But I know that I, I know her. As Annie Hackett, a mother of two teenagers who normally performs at a community talent shows in her small little town, who suddenly is thrown into rock and roll stardom and dons the uh, pseudonym Mystere, provided to her by none other than Fran Drescher. <laughs> um, it stars, it also stars Joe Pantaleono. Pan, oh, God. Joey, Joey Pantaleono. Joey, Joey Pants. Pants, yeah. David Pamer. Yeah, Alex Rocco and Heather Locklear as 
uh, Diane Cannon's uh, competition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Brian, now, why did you pick this? Because it's worth talking about. Is it? Because nobody knows about it. Uh, uh, I don't. Brian, you're you're probably out of all out of everybody here. You're the one with the big big musical knowledge. Do you know who Wadi mm. Wachtel is? Oh, he kept saying big more and more, and then got some <laughs> music. Brian, you're the one with the big big big. Wadi, I I don't I know Wadi is like a really small town right outside of Southeast Louisville, but that's about uh, Brian. <laughs> that's, that's, my home, that's my hometown. No, <laughs> for real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. Apparently, Waddy Wagdale was a, a famous guitarist from the eighties. Uh, he did a he did a a some uh, a he did a guest cameo on this as performing with <laughs> Diane Cannon. He has this really huge puffy hair. Uh, but the song that is uh, uh is performed is called "Your Mind Tonight." I highly recommend YouTubing that to see Diane Cannon lip sync to this song, and they still have not given anybody credit as to who actually sang this song, it just lists Annie Tackett, who is Diane Cannon's character. <laughs> I, I would venture to say that whoever actually sang it probably uh, uh, negotiated that they would actually never be revealed. Yeah. <laughs> it really, I highly recommend YouTubing Rock and Roll Mom and seeing Diane Cannon lip sync to this song. She gets uh, so, her lips do some weird contortions and there's one scene where she goes, oh, oh. Oh, nice. what's funny is the that faces the recording makes... froze what you had doing that for about did it freeze really <laughs> it couldn't awesome. be more perfect if you're listening to it switch over to the youtube to see yeah. dad's mouth open and ready for insertion but it's just that typical 80s nonsense of she's found she doesn't want it she doesn't want to take away from her family roots but they they put like this gigantic platinum uh platinum wig on her to make her perform as Miss Dare. And she gets kind of swept up in the glamour. And then she finds out they're using her. And then she manages to go back down, but come back up as her normal self and perform the song as Annie Tackett. And everything's right with the world. It's your typical 80s nonsense movie. But I had nobody knows about it. And I had to bring it up. So rock and roll mom from 1988. <laughs> well, mine is a little a widow. It's a widow better known. So mine is a little better known because I have no recollection of what we did on that episode. I did not go back. I my work has been kicking my ass. So I want to talk about things that I enjoy because I met someone who actually played. I met I we have we're friends with someone who actually met the actual Otis Day from Otis Day in the Nights. What movie? That's right, National Lampoons animal house and they do what song does anybody remember twist and shout shout that's shout. right they do shout it's not twist and shout is it that's the beatles they just do shout yeah sorry they just not do, to be confused with they just do shout not to be confused with shout shout let it all out all out so apparently I, I didn't look him up but otis I, let me look who i played otis day he actually went around and did fraternity parties for years did you guys know this mm -mm. craig dennis knew him and he actually did a theta chi party sometime in the late 80s at moorhead state university they had otis day there and Craig, about once every few months, shares the picture of him with Otis Day with a cigarette, all drunk. 
I don't know. I just probably was the first time I heard shout. I don't know if it was the first time. As Dwayne Jesse, by the way, Dwayne Jesse. And he actually purchased the rights from Otis Day and the Nights from Universal and formed the real life version of that band. Oh, wow. I know, right? It's an interesting story. All right, who's next? What you got, BC? So I will go with uh, the Soggy Bottom Boys from Old Brother Where Art That. Out of a bitch. Yeah. My number two. I'm, I'm sorry. Man Why of sorry? We... Sorrow. Yes, you are. <laughs> so obviously, uh, George Clooney as Ulysses Everett, John Turturro, Pete, Tim Black Nelson as Delmar were escaped convicts and. They started out as a soggy bottom voice by just basically going into a recording studio ran by a blind man and uh, recording a song real quick for some money to help them keeping them on their journey. Uh, they also had Tommy Johnson, which was literally a take on, you know, the crossroad story on a guy battling the devil to learn to play guitar. I think he was played by Chris King. Yeah. Uh, and the cool thing about this is that it really turned the world at large onto bluegrass music that was literally invented in Kentucky. Uh, uh, the, the soundtrack was a phenomenon. It was produced by T-Bone Burnett, but it had Ralph Stanley on it. It had Alison Krauss, uh, a lot of people that played bluegrass music. Uh, they ended up winning the album of the year at the Grammys for the soundtrack that year, which for a soundtrack, I think, is the only one to ever win album of the year at the Grammys. Uh, they done a tour of, of arenas and sold them out. And I mean, for Ralph Stanley at the age of like 80 to be selling out 10, 15,000 seat arenas was crazy. So it really created for a short while a phenomenon of people listening and digging into the genre of bluegrass music. Right. Yeah, I, I, I will echo that hundred percent. When I, when I uh, started my position in Mississippi, I actually had people ask me about that that soundtrack and me oh do you, are you familiar with and it had as you said people were like oh i discovered that and now i listen to x y and z and and so absolutely i mean i think it um it definitely helped expand the audience for bluegrass music and got a lot of people more aware of what was out there and and how varied it really is as well yeah absolutely uh and let me say one thing real quick uh t-bone burnett to produce that album a lot of people that's listening may not be familiar with a, an album called Raising Sand, but he produced it like four years later, and it was a duets album of traditional music between Alison Krauss and Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin, and it too won album of the year at the Grammys, and I highly recommend that one. But obviously the Coen brothers directed this movie. They're, uh, they've made some of my favorite films, Raising Arizona, obviously The Big Lebowski, uh, a film that we may or may not talk about that they made a few years back called Inside uh lewin davis lewin davis yeah 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 uh but uh what do you all think uh does anybody else have any thoughts on the uh, soggy bottom boys or old brother i think you covered it i mean it i it was a phenomenon at the time and the movie yeah. was, was a middle middle size hit but it's the music that propelled it that kept it going it was one of those that never was number one but week after week it was in the top 10 Oh, see, with me, the mo the movie's visuals is what the the song. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I I had Man of Constant Sorrow uh, burned on my a CD that I listened to, um, constantly. But the visual elements in that film, those that visual style shot in there, I don't think I'd ever seen before. Yeah, uh, and that really captured my me is just going. Also, I just loved that take on, uh, Homer's The Odyssey. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
that George I'm, Clooney later told everyone that the Coen brothers never really had bothered to read. They never had bothered to read, yeah. <laughs> Which is amazing, I think, in my honest, humble opinion, <laughs> that they produced what, that and never read the story. They just what they'd heard. Yeah. <laughs> bothered to read it. So. <laughs> well, just hit the highlights is all you have to do, right? I mean, yeah, it's a big I'm not being sarc- That's the best part of that story to me is once you get all through that and you realize, oh, you mean the boys who wrote and directed it never actually bothered to sit down and read it? Nope. No, that was one of my, that's one of the best facts I love about that is that they never read it. They just, I'm, did they at least read the cliff notes? I'm, like I, I did don't many know, times I at Morehead. I, I don't know. Yeah. They just they claimed to never, they just wrote the script based on what they thought they knew. Yeah. <laughs> All right. James. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I didn't actually write this one down, but I'm going to do it because as I was sitting here thinking, uh, it's one of my favorites. I saw it in theaters. It it did not perform well. Matter of fact, uh, the the star has has actually apologized to people that were involved with it because he thought it should have done better. Um, I'm gonna talk about Dewey Cox. Walk oh, yes. hard, walk hard. Uh, if you've never seen Walk Hard, it's obviously a send up of, you know, there was this period of time and we still have them now, of course, but there was just, you know, you had Walk the Line. That's what it is. Yeah, you had Walk the Line. You had all these different movies that were being made about famous musicians. We're still seeing it now. Elton John, Bohemian Rhapsody, all the all these ones about about Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody. But anyway, you have all these uh and this movie sends up that the fact that that's even a subgenre in and of its own right. And I love there's there's I still look at my kids occasionally and use the term smell blind and stuff like that. I mean, it's a <laughs> farcical movie, but uh, if you watch the behind the scenes stuff on it, I do have the two disc DVD because I was I love it. And they talk about how I mean, um, how much effort they put into getting the music right about making sure that, you know, it was people trained to sing those songs. And yeah, there, there's, some of them are farcical songs, some of them, but it's it's really well done. And it does do that trick of, you know, cataloging this fictitious career and the insane amounts of, you know, of drama that gets added to make these movies interesting. Um, you know, I was saying about Walk the Line, you have a, you made a movie about Johnny Cash and somehow left out the he lived in a cave for a while. How do you mm-hmm. leave that out of your movie? <laughs> um, but anyway, um, there's a lot of uh, sinks that get ripped off of walls. Uh, there's a lot of parts that made Joe giggle inappropriately in a movie theater. Well, I was in the movie theater with you, and every time they you'd be sent, you, you're there, and one of the dicks would fall right in the fr- I mean, go right in the frame. A guy in a full frontal dicks right here. Just it made me laugh every single time. But it's it's it really is. I mean, it's a send up of all those things. But the music in it is actually pretty good if you like tongue in cheek kind of humor, uh, wordplay and stuff like that. So I couldn't not mention Dewey Cox. I didn't have him on my list, but it seemed appropriate. So there you go. Walk hard down live <clears throat> road. Anyway, Chad. So I'm going to break the genre. Sorry, uh, but I want to talk about another fake musician who did a play on a, on a real famous musician. And before I say the name, I'm just going to read the one of his, uh, the only song he ever sung. I got long sideburns and my hair slicked back. I'm coming to your town in my pink Cadillac. I'm just a honky-tonk man. Yes. 
Uh, one of the all-time great heel wrestlers. Yes, he's just <laughs> a honky-tonk man. I'm cool. I'm cocky. <laughs> I'm bad. Now let's get over <laughs> I pick a mean guitar. I wear blue suede shoes. You ought to hear me sing the snakeskin blues. Roll over, Elvis. Let the honky-tonk man show you how to rock and roll. Elvis who? He couldn't carry a tune if I had handles on it. <laughs> Elvis, let me show you how to pick that guitar. Ooh, have mercy. It's a honky-tonk mania running wild. And then the last line, I got Peggy Sue beside me. The colonel's in the back. I'm coming to your town in my pink Cadillac. <laughs> I can't sing like the honky-tonk man. <laughs> I mean, that's okay, Chad. That's okay. Yeah. So well, he was... So Sorry. No, I was just going to ask a question. Is that, is that available on CD anywhere? I have some uh, of the old if, wrestling CDs. If you have uh, Driver, the wrestling album, with Hulk Hogan in a construction outfit, yes. That, you had me in construction outfit. I, have, I now have a goal. I was going to take care of my family, but we're going to put that on the back burner, and I'm going to find that album. I mean, Joe, what was your question? You take care of your family. Okay, so where did this son of a bitch start? How did well, he? How many heels was he before he became the honky tonk man? Does anybody know? So he was, for the most part, just the honky tonk man. I didn't know. Um, his real name was Roy Wayne Ferris. Uh, he was uh, from Bolivar, Tennessee. Um, he had a couple of different nicknames. The first, uh, the first ring name he went by was Danny Condry. Mm-hmm. Not, not very flashy. Uh, but then he became Honky Tonk Wayne. And then that became Honky Tonk Man, uh, which premiered in 1982 at Stampede Wrestling. Hmm. Um, and he stayed with that character from that moment on. So I think he re- he retired. I think it said he retired in 2010. Oh, man. He is 69 years old to this day. To this uh, day, he, to is this day. he was born in 69 and just stayed there. As soon as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, Chad, you idiot. <laughs> I mean, at least it is. At least you're not yelling at our listeners and talking shit about all the wonderful filmmakers that we've had on the show like you usually are. Yeah. So he, sweet one. So, yeah, he was he was basically he was an Elvis ripoff. Uh, he, he had sideburns, slicked back hair. He carried a guitar. By the way, on my notes, I spelled I spelled he carried a car. <laughs> well if he carried a car he would have been a heck of a wrestler yeah that's a heck of a finisher if you pick up a car and every time he entered the ring the first thing he did he gyrated his hips his manager was jimmy south of the mouth uh jimmy the mouth mouth of the south chad oh, south God. mouth is uh, uh, we're not now this is a family show chad anyway Jeez. uh jo- uh do you know who, who he's related to brian by any chance yeah, i do he's cousins of jerry lee lawyer that is correct. The king. Yes. And um, which people, even if people don't watch wrestling, probably know him about, uh, know about his feud with Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the honky tonk man, as, as Brian mentioned, is one of the most famous heels of, of the eighties. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but if anything, the man is mostly known for losing to the ultimate warrior in 31 seconds at WrestleMania for the Intercontinental Championship. He had he was the Intercontinental Champion at that time. Ultimate Warrior came out, beat him in 31 seconds, which for I think held the the record for lo- the quickest uh wrestling match ever for almost two decades. <laughs> well, I mean, why did why was it so quick? Was it to was there a it, reason? Cuz it to had put, to push the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. He That's basically it. 
Yeah, Lawson Moore, I remember that match. He just basically full sprinted from the locker room, uh, come through the ropes, just like beat on Honky Tonk Man, uh, pinned him one, two, three, and literally just grabbed the belt and ran back to the locker room again. Yeah, it, that kind of was like the early 80s was the push of, you know, having the wrestlers who were like rippled muscles and, and you know, basically that's mostly they were, were just the and rippled full, muscles. Full steroids. Full mm -hmm. steroids, Hulk Hogan, um, Ultimate Warrior um hercules i could go on and like the wrestlers like uh, like the uh, uh, honky tonk man and roddy roddy piper who were muscular but not ripped uh were kind of fading so um yeah that 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 was like the 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 fate the the hit of that of getting right. the ultimate warrior a push to become big bigger named right yeah and, and honky tonk man would often smash a guitar over his opponents yep which was later ripped off by Jeff Jarrett. Yep. And this has been the one show and Bonehead Weekly talking about wrestling. Yep. <laughs> so I well, had to but, bring, you know, wrestling you talking about pop culture, you had to talk about the fake musician. So. Well, I was going to say, but wrestling, I mean, there has been a big link between music and wrestling. Yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't, I, as I Absolutely. said before the show, I wasn't, I didn't grow up with wrestling, but you knew entry music and all that stuff it was a big deal well yeah and i mean uh when wrestling really took off in the 80s sandy lopper was a big part of it uh hmm. uh her and captain lou albano uh he was in some of her music videos and then she crossed over and was in the corner for hogan and mr t when they took on roddy piper and uh i can't remember his partner but i think it was at wrestlemania two or maybe the first three? wrestlemania or is that three which one's three Three is Andre. Three the Giant. was when Hogan, Andre the Giant, yeah, when he body slammed him. Okay. Yeah, and then part two was Hulk Hogan and uh, Mister T versus Roddy Piper, and again, I I can't remember. Is it is it Orndorff or maybe? Paul Orndorff, Mister yeah. Wonderful Paul Orndorff? You're right, Chad. Yeah, and that's Got all on Peacock, right, Chad? Yeah, that's all on Peacock. And I just pulled that right out of my ass. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how well, you there's always there's always been a tie with fake musicians and wrestling. I mean, you got like I said, Honky Tonk, Jeff Jarrett. You had the tag team men on a mission who pretended to be a rap group and Booker T uh, in WCW, uh, his, he had a rap group type. Um, uh, th there's always those, there's always that weird. We have to have a fake musician wrestle. I never understood that concept, but yeah, it's there and it, and it could go on and it, it probably, I don't know. I don't watch it now. It's probably still going on as we speak. Hmm. Joe, what's your third? Second. Well, <clears throat> second is, uh, I'm going to go back because I can't remember what we talked about, but I watched this documentary when I was fairly young. It's probably young. I wasn't, I might've been 14, 15, who knows, but it was basic. It's created by Eric Idle and Neil Ines. We're going to talk about the Ruddles. Yep. That's on my list. So I'm glad. The Ruddles were to make fun of the Beatles and yeah. we're, we missed that. All four of us missed really that by 10 to 20 years, especially the Beatle breakup. And it was just an official band, and the Ruddles started out as a parody. Uh, it's a mockumentary all, a film of All You Need Is Cash, which actually they got George <laughs> Harrison in. If you ever, ever well, get Brian, have you ever seen this? You're, you're familiar with the Ruddles? I've I've seen clips and bits and pieces. I don't know if I've seen the entire yeah, thing, but I am familiar. Saturday Night Live in it. A lot of people, even Gilda well, Rat was in it. I was going to say, and it predates that as well, because it started on uh, Rutland Weekend Television. Mm -hmm. It's where it premiered, and Rutland uh, was kind of a 
Monty Python-esque show. Rutland is the smallest county in England. And the joke was, oh, this is all they have to show on their te television, right? So it spun so off of it, that. So it Rutland is the Leslie County of uh, of England then, right? <laughs> yeah, more or less. Yeah, I mean, it was, that was kind of the joke was this would be the best musicians this place could create, right? It was. Yeah. And it was Eric Idle, of course, uh, so, that was pushing. Uh, the Ruddles hits were ouch. All you need is cash. And. I reason why I bring this up is because I don't know if we'll get if someone will mention Spinal Tap or not, but Spinal Tap always gets the fake, you know, the mockumentary credit. Derek Idle beat him by about five, six years. Yeah, well, now, and, don't get me wrong, Spinal Tap's more fun. But do you I know the do, do you know the the uh song that they did that the Ruddles did that actually um they were advised by Paul McCartney. You probably it was McCartney or Lennon. Uh, it wouldn't have been Lennon. McCartney. One of them anyway. They they advised them. Listen, it could have been Lennon. Uh, John Lennon died in eighty. That's true. Uh, it may have been Lennon. Advised them. Listen, this is really good, but it actually wasn't included on the release when they released the soundtrack. They held one song back because I think you're right. I think it actually was Lennon said, "We're fine with it, but we don't own our we don't own our catalog anymore." And they may come after you for this. And it is the song Get Up and Go, which is and, – and if you listen to Get Up and Go, there's no mistaking it. It's a joke about Get Back. Yeah. And it is dangerously close. It's a lot of fun. But, yeah, yeah. Like I said, he got George, George Harrison. Of course, George Harrison also had a good sense of humor. He's the one – who played along with the joke on Saturday Night Live about you know about them offering them a thousand dollars to come on to Saturday Night Live, and George Harrison eventually showed up and did. It's like, hey, do you guys remember this at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, all yeah. Right. And there, uh, there was actually an interview with Paul McCartney in which he said that he and John Lennon were watching that skit. Uh, unbeknownstly, they. You know, not not together in the same room, but they actually called one another, I think, if I'm remembering it correctly, and debated on whether or not to go on down to the studio because both of them were in New York at the time mm -hmm. uh, and join uh, George there just for the heck of it. Yeah, they should have. I mean, just it never. That's a quick question. If John hadn't died. Would the Beatles have done one of those reunion tours? Like, the, yeah, I think they would have. Uh, the, the Beatles freeze over. The money would have been too. I mean, it would have been too much to pass up for all of them, man. Do Do you actually know, Joe, that the Ruddles were going to tour no, recently? Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, Neil Eines ends. I've uh, I've only read it. I've never heard it pronounced, so I'm sure I'm slaughtering it. I think uh, he's the one who's been in songwriting. Has been Eric. Eric. Uh, he was Eric. part of the uh, Dog Do Band. Uh, the uh, oh, what was their full title? The um, I made a note of it. Well, the Bonzo do, Dog Do Da Band. Yeah, and he uh, helped write some of the lyrics for for Spamalot. Yeah, and he he's considered uh, he and Carol Cleveland are both tied as the seventh Python. Yeah, if you read if you go by what Eric Idle says, but um, no, uh, uh, sadly Neil Eines had a heart attack and passed away. But there was actually talk about because he hit up Eric Idle and said, "Why don't we just you know they they did the Monty Python reunion?" He goes, "Why don't we do a Reynolds reunion?" We'll do a couple shows in England, and then we'll do a couple shows in the States, and then unfortunately had a heart attack. But the, the rumor is we are going to get to see a Ruddles reunion. 
Uh, which is funny because the Runnels last, if if that would have happened, would have officially lasted longer together as a group than the Beatles. Yeah. All right, Brian. What's your what's your third one? Uh, give me just a second. Uh, my third one was never actually given a proper name. If you look in the in the the cast credits uh, on IMDb as well as the closing credits of the movie, uh, they're just called Guy and Girl. It's from a movie back in two thousand and seven called Once. Uh, have any of y'all ever watched it? I haven't. Okay. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a really quick watch. It's like maybe 90 minutes. I highly, highly recommend it. It's a beautiful film. Uh, it stars Glenn Hansard, which is actually a real musician. He does once. a lot of solo work. Oh, once. I think yes, it's once. once. No, once. No, yes, once. I saw once. Once is yeah. also on the Broadway play. Once. Was yeah. Because he, he won the, yes, I saw once. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Did uh, you know Glenn Steve Han- when he was at? Yeah, he uh, yeah, Moorhead. He, he ended up playing the character that Glenn Hansard plays in the movie on Broadway. Yeah, he won the Tony. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and uh, once is a beautiful film. Uh, and forgive me, I'll butcher her name, but uh, Marquetta Igolova plays the female lead. Yeah. Uh, and basically, Glenn Hansard's character, which is Guy and her girl, he he's a busker in Ireland, uh, literally just playing on the street for whatever money he can get. And he and she's a piano player, and they meet. Uh, and the, the thing I love about this movie, it doesn't go cliche. Uh, it kind of alludes that they might like one another, but she has a husband in another country. I think it's Czechoslovakia. Yeah. So they never really go there as far as the romance goes. Uh, but there, the, the standout song on it is called Fallen Slowly, which actually won Best Original Song at the Academy Awards that year. It's a beautiful yeah. song. A hot, if you all have never heard it, I highly recommend you just going on Spotify or iTunes and listening to it. Uh, Glenn Hansard's uh, lead singer for The Frames, which was one of my favorite bands. Uh, they had not toured in forever, and I had tickets all throughout COVID. for uh, uh, They was going to play two shows in New York and Chicago, but it just kept getting canceled and canceled, and I finally got a refund for it. So I'll probably never get to see him, but that's beside the point. Uh, one of my favorite movies. It's a beautiful film, a simple film, a film that they don't make anymore. Uh, if you've not seen it, highly recommend once. Uh, you all feel free to talk about it. I know, Joe, you said you've seen it. Well, I love it. I lo- I really like it. So we do have this in common. I actually am a little shocked that Chad and James have never seen once. Uh, I highly recommend it. I mean, it's a beautiful movie. It is. It really. It's a. It's a sweet little love story. And, and he's right. It's. It's. Un. It's. You know. Un. You know they don't connect. She's got a she's got a, a husband somewhere else, and it just doesn't work out. But uh, yeah, and he buys her a piano, and I think uh, not to spoil she anything. Buys her hair, and he buys her. A yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a gift of magi. <laughs> yeah, I made that joke at work the other day. No one knew what I was talking about, and I thought I was my more degrees in a thermometer, but no one here is familiar with old Henry. <laughs> the delicious candy bar. I would have been happy if they knew what that was, James. But I know seriously, Chad, James, you guys have never seen it. I, no, I this have is seen like, it. This, I, this movie's right up my alley, and I have not seen it. I have seen it. Um, to be honest, I saw it. Uh, that it came out at the time when I was working with Campus Housing still, and the international students, for appropriate reasons, really loved that movie. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they did do they they did you know there there were shows that you could catch them performing mm-hmm. like that yeah and um. 
I had some students that went that that went, and so I saw it, but I tended to see it. Uh, it got played in my lobby a lot. I'll put it that way. So I saw it in chunks and around other things, and but I do remember. I mean, it did have a pretty hardcore following. Yeah, I say this several times just to piggyback on what Brian was saying. Steve Kazee, who played the character on the Broadway play, won the Tony for it. Steve Kazee, absolutely, I was his RA, and there was like two or three famous people that were all at Moorhead at the same time. Steve Kazee, JD Cure, who was the who's the basis for uh, uh, what's his name? Tyler Simpson was uh, Tyler Childers. Tyler Childers, I know. I'm going to get my Kentucky license revoked, aren't I? yeah they're all at moorhead at the same time uh and let me briefly mention this not to step on my own dimensions but the director of this film uh john carney directed another film about musicians uh a few years later called sing street mm -hmm. highly highly recommend that movie as well hmm. okay you know what i've seen that and you know why i always i don't click on it the guy looks so much like Billy Joe Armstrong. I keep telling myself, oh, it's just a documentary about Green Day. <laughs> I, I can see that. <laughs> I never actually click on it. And then I found out like a couple, I found out a couple of years ago, oh no, it's not an actual movie. I probably wouldn't need to watch. <laughs> it's just, it's not available for me to, to watch anymore. <laughs> All uh, right. Who's up next? Is James. You're muted, dumbass. Yeah, like a I champ. can't tell when you use such loving phrases and words and you teach Trina so nicely. I can't hear your loving voice. Nice that's one. I can't hear your loving voice. That sounds like an angel kissing a puppy. Um, you know, I was going to do the ruddles because that was on my list, but Joe's already done that. So I'll move on. And this is, I've mentioned this movie before, but I'm going to mention it again because I think it, it's, it ties in so well to the gestalt of what we're talking about. This fictional musician uh, released the album "Songs in the Key of Death," um, and and the the plot <laughs> to the movie is that you know he's a hard rocker. This movie came out in the eighties when there was that certain satanic panic, if you will, uh, that you know uh, rock music's evil and you can play lyrics backwards and summon the devil and whatnot. And that was more or less the plot. Uh, of the film where Sammy Kerr dies in a mysterious fire as this uh, hardcore rocker and his fan from his own hometown inherits the uh, one of the only copies of an unreleased demo, plays it backwards and discovers that Sammy Kerr will talk directly to him. That movie, of course, is Trick or Treat starring Gene Simmons and Ozzy Osbourne against type. Gene Simmons. Um, yep. Uh, Gene Simmons, I believe, plays a talk show host. Ozzy Osbourne plays a religious uh, figure who is warning parents about the evils of rock music. Uh, and that casting alone, they're they're not in the movie that much, but but they are always on the video covers as being highlighted. But the movie itself, I didn't know this actually until recently. Joe, do you know who did uncredited work on that? No. Morgan and Wong. Oh yeah. They they so uh Morgan Wong went on to do uh various other horror Well they things. they they made the well Jeffrey Reddick wrote the original screenplay, but they made Final Destination. They were the ones that rewrote it and 
and directed it. They all they got their they they their claim to fame was started down on the X Files, right? Yeah, 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 and, and several other things. So I, I just want I but if you've never seen the movie, it's out of print. It comes back in print occasionally. You find it online places as well. But Trick or Treat, not to be confused with Trick or Treat, which is. Uh, great film as well uh it actually is a way better film than this one that i'm talking about but sammy kerr is a fictional musician he convinces this kid to go and listen to dub this cassette onto cassette and get it to your bullies and of course it it kills his bullies but it unfortunately injures this girl and that's when our hero in the film realizes maybe sammy kerr's not a great guy if you didn't know that by the fact that he can only communicate from the dead by playing his album backwards but uh and then it's a very um somewhere between you know the satanic panic and the evil dead this movie exists as a we have to stop this evil rock star from beyond the grave so sammy kerr gets my uh mention for um third because he's just a fascinating the entire movie's about the evil of rock and roll and it celebrates rock and roll at the same time a little 80s treasure that nobody remembers cool chad all right, so my back band. This is going to be one I think Joe mentioned in our first episode. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Joe, don't give it away because I'm going to uh, uh, quiz Brian. And give it James away. Give it. it away. Give it away now. Guys, have you ever heard of the band Cold Slither? <laughs> can I? Can I say? I'm one? going to kill you, Chad. <laughs> of course, I know Cold Slither. Can I uh, say Brian, one sentence? No, no, Brian. Have you ever heard of the band Cold Slither? No. Okay, Joe, go. They'll be calling you soon. Yeah. So in a desperate attempt to pay back a, a huge debt, Cobra Commander oh, comes up with a casino comes up with the scheme <laughs> to rele- to create a band of from comprised of Zartan and his dreadnoks. Uh named Cold Slither. Uh, and he unleashes them onto the world in a desperate bid to pay back this debt. And Cold Slither is sent to perform music to hypnotize the youth into giving them tons of money. And if you're not familiar with this, this is an episode of G.I. Joe. The <laughs> yeah. youths. They're going to get the to the youths. And as Joe mentioned, uh, that is a line. But here is the whole, here is a quick lines from their the only song. We're Cold Slither. You'll be joining us soon. A band of vipers playing our tune. With an iron fist and a reptile hiss, we shall rule. We're tired of words. We heard it before. We're not going to play the game no more. Cold Slither. Cold now, Slither! For some reason, Brian, are you still there? You're frozen. Oh, no, you were just weren't moving. Okay. He had a stroke. <laughs> but no, uh, <laughs> this was one of those long lines of every 80s cartoon had to have some music episode of a band where the villains were comprised of them. And, you know, they actually made a whole cartoon out of this. I thought about talking about Jim and the holograms instead of cold Slither, but cold Slither's cooler than anything yeah. Jim and the holograms ever did. Cause they're a band of vipers playing their tune. Yeah, I did. I, I did full disclosure. I wanted to do the episode of transformers cause I thought Soundwave had a band, but I was wrong. It's actually Soundwave uh, created a, 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 uh, a club called, Hold your seats, guys. Dancetron. <laughs> I'm from the planet Lovetron. Where it brought people in and the music hypnotized them to do 
to do trans to do the Decepticons bidding. Oddly enough, very similar to what I just said for Cold Slither in GI Joe's episode. But the cold, the GI Joe, I feel like the episode with Cold Slither in terms of '80s fake bands, it was the ultimate. No other one surpassed the GI Joe episode, Cold Slither. So I had to mention it. But there you go. Are are you absolutely sure there wasn't a Pound Puppies episode that would have had a better tune? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty snorkels. sure that I'm pretty sure the, the snorkels or the Rainbow Bright episode. It's just snorks. It's not snorkels. Oh, he had yeah. his snorks. Yeah, it's the snorks. Touche James. James. Joe. Touche James. James from the guy James. who everyone loves. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Don't, don't even get me started on the biscuit episode that could have been. <laughs> All right. So I my last one, I want to talk about a little bit about what is the most famous one. And is it is it the one I'm gonna say? Is it because I don't we haven't really talked about it? Is it Mickey Dolans, Michael Nesmith, Peter Tork, and Davy Jones? Is it the monkey? Has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey. No. I, but, I'm serious. I mean But they they kind of the monkey is never spinal tap. Yeah, I, I mean I think spinal tap gives you a little more street cred. But I think as far as songs that if I played one, people would say, I've heard that. I don't know that they'll know Spinal Tap. But I, I agree think, with you. And I, think I mean, they toured all, all the way up until recently. Well, until they started dropping dead. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, they, they were the fabricated four. They I mean, were. Yeah, absolutely. They and, Go ahead. And And have songs that actually work. I mean, they really do in their own way. The ones that, because they did have musicians amongst them, they were some were more actors, some were musicians, and they really did have some songs that work. I mean, Listen to the Band is not a bad song. It really yeah. works well. There's some, and they've been adapted now by tons of other artists and things like that. And that's actually, Joe, I thought about them, but for me, I put them in the same category as, as the Blues Brothers, I guess, because yeah. they did tour they did do i mean they went i know it was well beyond their show because that was part of what i wanted to talk about if you hadn't done blues brothers i was going to talk about is it or isn't it because the two front blues brothers are fake but they're actually doing the music and everyone behind the blues brothers was extremely talented blues musicians so the monkeys were created by Bob raffleson bob raffleson directed a wonderful movie called five easy pieces with jack girls if you've never seen it but it aired from 66 to 68. I thought it ran a little longer than that. Man, yeah, I, that's it, it is also important if you're a big science fiction geek, especially if you're a Star Trek fan, because that's why we got Chekhov. Because yeah. they needed to compete with Davy Jones. Yeah. So we I, I liked the monkeys. I watched it as a kid, and I haven't seen any of the episodes in many, many years, and I'm pretty sure that. You can find them fairly easily, but I don't know that. I think the the, the music has transcended past the show, so people remember the music, but no one remembers the show. And and if if you want to look at some songs that actually have some very double meanings, and you would now be like, "How did they get away with that?" Look up the uh, origins of their song "Cuddly Toy." <laughs> uh, it it is. I mean, more... that's what I used to call Joe when I worked for him. Well, effectively, the song is about if if rumors are to one. be believed, the song is about effectively 
sexual assault. I'm, I'm simplifying it, but read the history. It's fascinating. And you never think, oh, monkeys, sexual assault. Yeah, let's go ahead and put that on, on the TV and see what happens. And it sounds like a cute little tune, and then you start to listen to the lyrics and be like, okay, I can see where this could be that. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Joe, I think you're right. I think it's probably, I mean, their songs pop up in Shrek. My kids know them because I'm a believer. Yep. Daydream believer, right? Yep. Last Train to Clarksville Last is a good song. Clarksville. Yep. Clarksville. I couldn't say that for some odd reason. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. Now I've got to go look up more of these. I want to be free. Oh, they also did a version. Oh, uh, the, uh, the, the Randy South Git Randy is a fun South one. Get, yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's a fun one. All right. I'm not saying I have the greatest hits on my shelf. It's not behind me. It's over there. <laughs> no, now I was thinking I need to go get it. I didn't know. It's, it's, I mean, uh, they, they're fun and they, they had talent. It, I mean, it would be different. Like, for instance, let's look at a, a version of that that didn't want, that didn't work. So. It, anybody remember the new monkeys? Short-lived TV nope. show in the 80s. They said, oh, well, the monkeys worked. Let's try this with... And they basically were four guys that were going to be doing 80s pop songs. And they toured. They announced it. You can find the commercials for it online. Actually, I think the CD, if you have the CD, it's worth money now because... But, I mean, they pushed it hard, and they just weren't the monkeys. They tried to basically do a next generation of the monkeys, to put it in Star Trek terms, and it just wasn't the monkeys. Yeah. All right, guys, what's your honorable mentions? I think we all did three, right? Yeah. Now fight it out. Yep. Not everybody at once. Jack, uh, how many you want? Brandon. Brian. Why does <laughs> Brandon? Brian. I don't know. Give me a few. What you got? Uh, uh, okay. Uh, obviously, Joseph's and Pussycats. Uh, yeah. Not just the film, but, you know, the Archie comics. Uh, also on Riverdale, which is one of my daughter's favorite shows. Uh, Citizen Dick from Singles, which was basically the members of Pearl Jam and Matt Dillon. I remember that. And I'll give you one more. The Zack Attack. I, I, I'll throw out a couple. Um, I'm going to bring up one that we never get. We know he was a rock musician, and my memory may be fuzzy. So, Joe, I know you, you, you're familiar with this one. I'm a, I want to mention uh, an honorable mention for Judas Coyne. <laughs> Joe, anything? Judas Coin? No. Oh, you know Judas Coin because he's the, he's the protagonist of Joe Hill's The Heart Shaped Box. Yeah, you know, I didn't remember his name. I uh It's I such think, a great rock star name though, Judas Coin. Yeah, he's basically a couple of characters put together. I mean, he's like Kurt Cobain and somebody else. I can't remember. Yeah. He's a combination of those two. Um Heart Shaped Box has never been made into a movie. I enjoyed it's, the book. Warner Brothers bought the oh, rights yeah, to that, it, and it's it was been a, in development hell book. forever. Yeah, it's a good it's a good page turner if you've never read it before, and all the chapters are named after uh, rock songs. Mm -hmm. But I I did not remember. And, not and my other honorable mention I'll throw out really quick because uh, if I don't, I'll get hurt. Um, one of my wife's all-time favorite fictional musicians that would be the great aging rock star that is Billy Mack. Because <laughs> yeah. if you really love Christmas, <laughs> come on let and it. let it show. No, it's let it snow. Let's, no, I'm sorry. I let oh it snow. My God. Right. You call yourself have, a love I've, actually fan. I've actually, I said the correct lyric. What have I done with my life? Okay, um, James. Hey, James. At yeah. least you tried, buddy. 
Thanks. Thanks. This is why you're the sweet one. I know. By the way, <laughs> does anybody find it funny that 20 years on, people now shit all over Love Actually? I, I think it's I, legitimately good. We watch it yeah. every Christmas season. I mean... I know, but uh, people shit on it all the time now about blah, 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 blah. Uh, they've just turned into cynics. Everybody has. Yeah, I guess I'm a cynic. I also had somebody go off the other day about it. And uh, I was like, I can't believe that they fat shamed that girl all the way through that movie. The one that, uh, what's his face, has the no, on that works. By the way, where were these people when I was being fat shamed in real life? <laughs> like I'm Nobody ever stood so... up for me and be like, hey, maybe it's glandular. Maybe he's got an issue. Maybe he needs to stop eating. I don't know, but maybe we shouldn't pick on him for it. Why don't you stop? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All right, who's got? Who's next? Uh, I will go. I'll go. So James already mentioned uh, my first honorable mention, Buckaroo Banzai. Yes. The um, hands down, even though they, you listen to the songs they sing in that movie and they're absolutely dreadful. Uh, <laughs> Not, I remember the song. I got a quick question for you, Chad. Did you know yeah. that they actually wrote a sequel in book form last year about uh, to Buckaroo Banzai? I didn't know that there was a book. I knew there was a comic book. Yeah, there's um, an actual novel, and it's one of the worst books I ever read. Oh, that's depressing. Because I, I, hoping... I It was so bad, man. And I loved the movie, and I was so excited for the book. I pre-ordered it. It got delayed like 18 times, and I struggled to get through it, man. Who was attached for – wasn't Kevin Smith attached for a while to do the remake? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. he was. And I would have loved to see – I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan. I mean, you know – but I just want to see it. <laughs> I want to see a, I want to see a Buckeye because I, that's one of those movies that you, a lot of people don't think could be made today because it was just peak eighties, but I think it could, well, I think it, it could wasn't be done. a success either. It's direct. No. That was WD Richter's directing at uh, bat. And he was very successful screenwriter for many years. Mm -hmm. he Dracula with uh, uh, Frank Langella. He's the one who wrote the final screenplay for big trouble in little China. There's a bunch of other ones. Yeah. Yeah. And we we got to give a shout out to the full band name though, Chad. Yes, the Hong Kong Cavaliers. The Hong Kong Cavaliers. Yes, <laughs> it's a great band. It's, and you know, it's just like I said that one song that they're singing in the bar with to um, Ellen Burstyn is not really that good. <laughs> I swear, I don't remember the song. I can I, I remember the movie. I can uh, quote lines from the movie, but I don't remember the song at all. Uh, there this you go. is there you uh, go. This is one I'm surprised didn't make Joe's top three, honestly. Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Well, I couldn't remember if we talked about it before. I think but we did. Can yeah. you imagine that? <laughs> can you uh, picture that? Can oh, you yeah, picture I that? Oh, my God. I pulled a Chad Jennings. Oh, no, I can't well, say anything bad about hey, Chad. <laughs> well, hey, Joe. From the you, Chad bangers. Just remember, buddy, if you didn't suck so hard, you wouldn't have fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> you need the fact that you said that like an actual counselor you need made it sting that much well it didn't really sting as much We're as i need to know this. does am i sucking too hard i want to be a chad banger too <laughs> hey you can always give it the college effort good buddy and then finally five? yeah there you go all right what were you saying what were you saying about dr teeth i i was saying <laughs> How, where would you like me to put it, sir? And Thank you, fine. sir. May I my, have another? Uh, my final pick, I think I mentioned this in the early episode, but I, the California Raisins. You, yeah. you got even you got to talk about when you talk about fake bands because they had numerous albums, guys, that sold yeah. very well. You never get a when you can throw in a raisin or two, you never you never shy away from it. 
No. Thank God Hardy's produced those cinnamon uh, bagels Raisin, or yeah. cinnamon raisins. Cinnamon raisins. Raisin muffins. Biscuits, yeah. Biscuits. biscuits. We would biscuits. not have the California eat, raisin. It was like pasta. Thanks, Chad. <laughs> Thank <laughs> God they gave us a cinnamon raisin pasta. By the way, I want to jump in just to steal before Joe does it. I want to throw out one more I almost forgot. Or Take one it. more set, Take I it from me. say. Take it hard. That's what I'm going to do. I don't think Joe's going to mention this, but you all talk about Spinal Tap, but you're forgetting three other bands from the same creative minds. The Folksman, yeah. uh, the new Main Street Singers, and Mitch and Mickey. Uh, Christopher Guest being behind A Mighty Wind. Yes. Uh, and, and so I couldn't not mention those. They don't get as much love as Spinal Tap, but they probably deserve much more credit than they get. The, the youths today don't know a mighty win the way they should. So I had to honorable mention them. Hopefully I stole it from Joe and ruined his day. Go, no, Joe. You really didn't. I don't have a lot of honorable. I don't really have any honorable mentions. Most of them we've already talked about on here beforehand. So we're good to go. I mean, there's just a ton of fake bands. And really what I wanted to discuss is whether the Blues Brothers were a fake band or not. And I'm kind of with you all. I kind of, I don't think they are. I, if you've got, uh, I mean, Lou Marini, uh, Matt Guitar Murphy. Matt Guitar Murphy does one of my favorite, and actually it's used in Blues Brothers 2000, but if you go back and pick up his solo album, his version of the Blues Don't Bother Me is one of my all-time favorite songs. Yeah. I, I just love it. And so, yeah, no, the, to me that's not, again, like you said, the the the, the movie front actors, and no offense meant to them because I, I think they're, they were talented individuals. They are talented individuals. Dan Aykroyd is very much still with us uh, as of this recording. Um, um, unless you kill him. Well, I hope not. It's, it's actually on my bucket list. He's one of my all-time heroes. I mean, he killed Dan Brothers. Aykroyd? No, he's one of my all-time. Blues Brothers, he wrote Blues Brothers and Ghostbusters with, admittedly, a lot of edits as they went, but those are two of my iconic films. So. Okay. Sorry. Um, uh, one final honorable mention for me because I'm kicking myself in the ass that I picked Cold Slither rather than this one. Um, because again, I mentioned every 80s cartoon had that rock uh, episode. Malachi from the real Ghostbusters, the jazz musician who sang, uh, played played them ragtime booze. And the only, the, the, the Ghostbusters couldn't defeat them with their proton packs. So they had to stop, drop their proton packs, pick up a, a, a rock uh, instruments and just rock out in, in, with rock music to beat Malachi back down. Huh. And and during the final battle, they they would would were changing between different genres of music while playing their instruments in order to beat Malachi. Hey Chad, I, I haven't seen that episode in a while. What what musical instruments uh, did Egon play? I think Egon played the saxophone guy. Uh, James, don't quote me on that though. I mean, it would be harmonics. It would be the variation. That would work. I can see. That. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Chad. That's officially outgeeked me. I don't. I even... give one more real quick. No, unless you've got twenty dollars. Uh how about how about a quarter? A quarter for twenty would be five. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say uh, uh the wonders from that thing you do, uh which is a film I really yeah, enjoy. That's another good one. That's another good one. I, I did get a lot of radio play when that movie came out. Yeah, it did. And speaking of cynic, that is a very non cynical film. No, it's a good movie. I, and, but I mean, no, I mean it just has a lot of heart. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's no way the Boneheads could have wrote that thing you did. <laughs> uh, Tom Hanks wrote it and directed it, I do believe. Uh, he did. He wrote it and directed it and did a fantastic job. But I'm just saying, the three of us could not have wrote that movie. James Egon played the bass. 
He's all about the bass. Oh, jeez. I knew he's going to do it because my inclination was to do it. And I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. I was thinking oh. of when I'm, I was thinking when they switched to the Sergeant Pepper's ver, uh, band and it was Winston that was playing the sax. My uh, James, you mentioned a while ago that you would get in trouble with your wife if you didn't mention uh, an artist. Uh, real quick, I know we're running short on time, but uh, Mouse Rat from Parks and Recs, uh, my wife would be highly upset if we don't at least mention them very quickly. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, I think I've only ever seen a few episodes of Parks and Recs. You need to get out more, Jeff. <laughs> so actually you need to stay watch. in more and watch tv there's so much to watch it's so hard oh well well <laughs> thanks brian for coming on the show Did yeah. you have anything uh, else left to talk about before we go yes well, i was say so where can people find your podcast i know the answer is everywhere but where where would you recommend oh, they track it down honest head uh, <laughs> uh anywhere you listen to podcasts uh just search that one show with brian combs uh apple spotify google the whole nine yards. Uh, I'm not as brave as you all, so I don't put my actual face up on YouTube. Uh, audio. <laughs> yeah, I, we don't care. Well, hold on. <laughs> Two out of the three boneheads don't care. So, but it's a yeah. holdout. And I'll you never have, uh, you have a sponsor now. Who's your sponsor? Do you need to drop your name of the sponsor? Um, sure. Thank you. Uh, my new sponsor is the Goblin Trading Company. Uh, they do a lot of tabletop D&D type stuff, but they do have a line of uh, that one show merchandise, coffee mugs, hoodies, T-shirts, and whatnot. If you go to Etsy and just search Goblin Trading, you'll find other stuff. All right. Cool. Sounds good. We should, um, We I don't, that's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a lot of it. uh but before i go let me just thank you all once again uh i've listened to you all for a few years now uh and i'm i'm generally excited and honored to be a part of uh, one of the episodes of bonehead oh man that that hey. your bar is low <laughs> See, we're Joe, very glad remember what we that. said at the beginning what you need to work on oh yeah that fucking bar is low <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was, I was supposed no. to curse more. No, that was. More. I don't think your memory's working well, sir. Uh, oh, so I was supposed to curse less. Well, Joe that, needs to go to the brain doctor to to verify that he's got the brain shits. Chad, <laughs> where did you go to school? Um, although that is a cool who frame Roger Rabbit shirt you got on. Yeah. It is. It obviously it, it's really bad when I'm wearing the shirt and right behind me is the official <laughs> the theatrical movie poster. I'm well, really I'm, double, I'm doubling down. You really? I'm wearing a Voltron shirt, so there you know, yeah. kind yeah. uh, I'm just wearing a button up. <laughs> I'm uh, I had to go into an online meeting today, and I'm wearing a bra underneath this. This has been Bonehead Weekly. <laughs> Thank you all so much. Thank you, Brian Combs, for coming on. Go check out that one show with Brian Combs. Uh, please listen to it subscribe just as soon as you get done listening and subscribing and sharing to us head weekly there <laughs> you go in which case thank you love you for it thank you all so much thank you brian this has been bonehead Grrrr. <sighs>